welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good midday, wherever and whenever you are listening. This is From Checkered to Green, a podcast all about racing. This is Elliot Tardiff, and with me, as always, my two worthy colleagues, David Maudie and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, welcome. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon to our audience and Elliot, Ryan, it's good to be back for another episode here and I will say I am pumped because we are getting so close to racing beginning. I'm excited. Yeah, I hear you there, sir. And not only is are we beginning to get close to the racing season, but a more familiar racing season, unlike what we dealt with this past year, this season looks like it might be a bit more what we're accustomed to. One can hope. And we're going to talk about that. Um, if not this episode, then uh, the next. But uh, um, as much as COVID had a, an impact on the racing season in 2020, while the, the trend is generally suggests an improvement in 2021, there may still be some question marks um, as we especially head into the first part of the season as we're starting to see uh, with some schedules already. And we're going to talk much more about that. Um, in certain parts of uh, tonight's episode, but um, but yeah, here's hoping to a um, a more regular 2021 season throughout motorsport. Definitely, and you know, it, it, I I agree with that. A a new season, a new year. It looks like we're going to be off to a great start. And you know what? We've actually already had some racing going on this year already. Mm -hmm. The famous Chili Bowl. Yes, it went on. COVID did not shut it down. They actually had limited fans. Gentlemen, should we start slinging some dirt here? Let's do it. So the Chili Bowl ran this year uh just finished up last weekend it's a great weekend you know i definitely would love to get there but kyle larson way to go back to back years he won in 2020 he repeats again he is he if he runs it next year he could shoot for that three in a row but he won the the 55 lap feature Different car, different sponsor. Justin Grant was second. Tanner Thorson was third. Cannon McTosh was fourth. Darren Pittman, World of Outlaw driver, twenty or was fifth. Chris Windham was sixth. Ricky Stiles Jr. was seventh. Brad Sweet eighth. Spencer Basin was ninth, and Logan CV was tenth. A lot of good drivers in this. A lot of cup drivers ran. Some local boys around New uh, New York State. Tim McCready, um, he's pretty famous. Uh, uh, late mile driver. If you're a dirt fan, he's the son of Barefoot Bob McCready. He did not get into the A main this year, but he's he got into the B main. Finished tenth. Missed the transfer spot, but 
a lot of good drivers this year, good racing, another good event. I think they had over, I think they had close to 340 cars, I believe. Um, they, you know, when they started getting more, they had to extend the nights and that was, pr- it was a pretty good year this year for them, despite with COVID and they were able to have fans. So kudos to Kyle Larson this year. And hopefully this will be a, a good luck year for Kyle Larson uh, as he bounces back. Gentlemen, your thoughts about the Chili Bowl? Oh, it was definitely an exceptional year. Um, for a, a, a few different reasons. Um, number one is we're continuing to see a trend of drivers in more visible racing series, um, especially NASCAR, uh, and especially the touring, the, the major touring series, the Cup, the Xfinity, and the Trucks, um, all coming to Tulsa and putting an effort together. And in some cases, doing really, really well. Um, Kyle Larson, obviously. Uh, Christopher Bell, who um, put a spirited run together and was battling for the lead um, at one point, I believe, towards the end of the race and ended up crashing out, um, but had a great event. Rico Abreu. Uh, who was raced, uh, I believe, in the trucks on a pretty yes. regular basis over the years. Uh, he did one year, and then he decided to go back to sprint cars. Well, uh, that that has done really, really well for him mm-hmm. uh, because uh, he had a, a good run this year. Uh, I believe he won. Uh, uh, I believe he won one of the um, uh, one of the other races that ran uh, during the. Um, yeah, he, he he won one of the qualifier events. They they do um, different qualifying events because of so big field they have. Yep. So he was he was he won one of the qualifying events, which I did see. Yep, and he had a pretty fast car the whole time. And and yeah. Stenhouse, um, I think this was his first Chili Bowl, and he didn't disappoint um, in one of the B mains. Yeah. Um, he actually won it. And uh, didn't do bad, as you pointed out, David. He finished uh, seventh in the A main in yeah. the big show, which has a uh, uh, a total field of twenty four cars from th- over three hundred, as you pointed out, David. The the uh, Chili Bowl website uh, gave the car count at three hundred nine. Wow, that that that's big, and it is. and and I think I saw online. I'm going to try to find this, you know, while you give some thoughts, um, while we continue to talk about this, but they actually have the Chili Bowl page actually ran a flip count, a, a count of how many flips they had. And I am seeing, uh, I'm looking at their Facebook page, 65. 65 flips um and that i mean i mean i've seen it higher in years um um but yeah they so it must have been pretty clean racing this year um which is pretty good um especially in tulsa that track they they build that dirt track it's really it's really interesting so 
but there were, I mean, like you said, many drivers come come to the sport or to run. You, you get a bunch of cup guys. Um, you do get open wheel drivers, drivers who, um, you know, run open wheels and kind of leaning into our, um, you know, kind of leaning into the next thing with, with this episode being about IndyCar is that you, it, it's just a wide range of talent that comes there and from all, all walks of life. So it, it's definitely great, great event. I definitely want to go out there sometime because it's always around my birthday when this runs. So um, maybe sometime down the road, I'll go out there for the week. Yep. And uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma in January, generally speaking, not the worst time of year to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can definitely uh, think of uh, uh, some, some tougher times of the season to go. Um, but looking at the, uh, um, looking at the, the, some of the entries, the other notable entries uh, that gave this a go this year, uh, Justin Allgaier um, yeah. with uh, Xfinity driver with Junior Motorsports. Um, he ran actually one, uh, one of the I mains um, mm-hmm. and uh, danced into the, uh, the H main, uh, didn't advance out of it. Uh, that's yeah. another notable part of this, uh, this that, event. That Saturday of different uh main events where people um can um advance to the next event to the next event to the next event and eventually on to the main show that that that's you know there's a term for that and it's the alphabet soup yes um and out of it no one you know a lot of drivers get that run and what makes it tough is you win that, you finish in the transfer position, you start in the back. So you've got to keep starting in the back, moving up, starting in the back, moving up, get to that transfer position. Eventually it becomes tr- tougher because there's a lot of good competitors. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, I think I, I think the only person that I know that did it, and I believe it, it wasn't at the Chili Bowl, but it was at the Knoxville Nationals. I think it was Doug Wolfgang or um, Bobby Allen. One of them ran the alphabet soup and made it to the A. So, yeah, you got a lot of mains. You got qualifying events. You have a race of champions. It's like it's like all these races lead up to the big event, and everyone at least gets a chance to run that's that final day so nobody goes home until then right um and it's worth noting too um i was following this uh, especially on twitter mm-hmm. and i would be remiss if we uh moved away from talking about the chili bowl without talking about a gentleman named jason mcdougall um mm-hmm. who was doing the alphabet soup who was uh advancing I through knew. Um, the main races and, tr- and transferring to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Um, and I believe it was either the E main or the D main. He started shotgun on the field um, and worked his way up and was uh, um, either tr- uh, transferred or was about to transfer. In the case of the D main, um, he actually was battling 
late with another racer named Ryan Bernal. Mm-hmm. And uh, McDougal was winning. He started 17th um, in this race, drove all the way up to the lead in a 15-lap race on yeah. a quarter-mile track. That's how inspired this guy was in this car. Yeah. Um, but um, got wrecked on the last lap, got spun by Ryan Bernal and didn't transfer to the C-Main. And talk, talk about heartbreak. Yeah, talk about heartbreak. And uh, Ryan Bernal, Lewis credit, he went down and um, apologized to Jason McDougall in person and said, hey, I got any, I'm sorry. Um, so uh, good on him. Uh, there were That's... a lot of people that were quite salty at, at, uh, at that move, but and as it was, uh, Bernal ended up getting disqualified as well. He ended up finishing 16th in that race, so he didn't make it to the next uh, main either. But yeah. um, McDougal is somebody that you're probably going to be hearing a lot more about um, in dirt circles or maybe other circles uh, going forward from mm-hmm. what he did at the Chili Bowl this year. Yeah, most certainly. But that was, um, I mean... That, that was definitely a good race this year, but it's not the only thing that that's happened. You know, we, we we're kind of this, this, you know, we're in the off season and the chili bowl does kick off, you know, that the start of the racing season, but there's still a lot of off season going on. And one of the seasons that finished up last last year that was able to get races was, was IndyCar. And the, 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 I'm going to say it, they call him the Kiwi just because he's from New Zealand. Scott Dixon, what a performance this year in, in IndyCar to take his sixth championship in IndyCar racing. Looking at his stat, he, there was only one race where he finished out of the top 10. And that was the second Road America race. He was consistent. He had he had a lot of top, he had a lot of top five finishes, a lot of top tens, some top threes. He won the first three races. He won mm-hmm. the race at Gateway. Great race for him. Had to hold it out in the end because um, Joseph Newgarn started to put a run. Um, he finished second in the points. Colton Herta, fantastic year for this for this driver. He's definitely got a bright future ahead of him. He won la- he won in his first as a rookie. He's doing well, third in points. Petto Award was um, fourth. Will Power fifth. Graham Ray Hall sixth. Takuma Sato, who if you remember on our when we talked about them running at Texas, who didn't start Texas due to a crash, finished seventh in points. He won the Indy 500 this year. Simon Pagina had a rough year. He was eighth in points. Alex Rossi got a top 10 finish um, in points. He had some good runs. It was a mixed year for him. He was ninth in Ryan Hunter Ray closed out 10th in points, but Dixon, way to go. I think it was a really good season for IndyCar, what they put together. Even though they did not have fans at the Indy 500, um, Roger Penske stuck to his, um, his, his ownership 
and his, his guns and said, this race will be ran no matter, essentially no matter what. And he ran it. He knew he couldn't have fans. It was in August. And that that was a really good race they did. So I, I, I give a lot of credit this year to Roger Penske on this. Um, but yeah, congrats, Scott Dixon. Um, third on the all-time win list. He's chasing down Mar- uh, Mario and AJ, and I think he can catch him. Yeah, Scott Dixon this year, I mean, he was – there were races, especially, like you said, David, early on in the year, where it looked like Dixon had two more cylinders in his engine than everybody else. Nobody had anything for him. Um, and He would and- have won Indy if, if – um- if he could caught Sato. Yep. Yep. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, just overall, um, just a great, great year for Dixon, uh, for Chip Ganassi. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they were on it. They were on it from the get go. Um, and yeah, you had some, some good runs from, from other drivers, uh, you know, and other teams, uh, Team Penske and Andretti come to mind. But yeah, um, Andretti, gosh, what a rough, rough start to the year for them. You talked about Takuma Sato's issue uh, at the, I think, the very first race at Texas. Yeah, with Ray um, Hall. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, all the teams. And then, uh, you know, Sato not even be able to get off the, uh, the starting line. So, um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, you know, great run for them. Uh, New Garden, as you pointed out, um, with four wins uh, and six podiums mm-hmm. uh, compared to Dixon's four wins and seven podiums, um, according to racingreference.info. Yeah. Um, New Garden was no slouch either. And it'll be interesting to see um, going into this year um, how uh, those. Uh, um, uh, how that rivalry kind of builds um, and the, the rivalry between uh, Ganassi and Team Penske. It kind of seems like um, they're, they're still going to be the, uh, the big show this year. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think they will be. It, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they do this year. I know we'll break down the schedule, we'll break down some off-season moves in our next segment. But it's just, I mean, it's amazing. Um, Colton Herta, you know, if he, I mean, he's just improving. And I think he's going to be a threat um, this year. If he can have a really good solid year um, and, and not have issues a good junior season, you know, he's in his, he'll be in his third year. I, th- he may be a threat for this championship. Who knows? But that's the one thing of IndyCar. You may have a bad year and you're great next year. You may have a good year and the f- next year you're, you're having trouble. So one other final note, Congratulations, Renus VK. I know he had trouble at Texas. He was involved in that wreck. He got Rookie of the Year. 
he did put a um, third place finish together at um, at the road course at Indy. He did have some top fives this year. He had um, he actually was pretty good at the road course at Indy for two of the three races, Gateway. So VK definitely good for him. Um, we, we'll see how he does in his sophomore year. Yep. So. With that said, we're our producers flagging us into the pit. We need to get four tires and some gas, and we'll be back out. This is from the Checker to Green podcast. The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Enjoying what you're hearing? Join the conversation. See us at our Facebook page or on Twitter at From Checker to Green Podcast. Your feedback helps drive our production. Like a certain segment? Tell us about it. Certain topic in racing you want us to cover? Let us know. And if you're enjoying this episode, find the rest of our episodes on podcast.com and at Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the listen and join the conversation. And now, back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Now it's time to delve into our spotlight segment for this episode. And uh, for this spotlight, we're going to focus on the IndyCar series and looking ahead to the 2021 schedule and talking about the notable uh, off-season moves, the silly season, um, heading into 2021. So, David, let's talk about, I guess, um, to start with, let's talk about the schedule. Let's talk about where they're going to go this year. Um, and some, I guess, kind of um, uh, not late breaking, but recent developments to the schedule um, in response to some things going on with COVID um, and um, moving some things around and, and uh, where, where we're going from here. Yeah, definitely indeed. And and there has been some late changes going around. I've got the schedule here and the first the, the first thing I, I love the asterisk they put up here saying on the IndyCar website with the schedule. Schedule subject to change. Well, yeah, and it has changed. Um a a couple things because of the COVID pandemic and, and what's going on with COVID. Usually St. Petersburg kicks off the start of the season, and that would have been in March. Well, that got pushed back to April 25th, and Long Beach got pushed back to the last race of the year just because of California, their, the, the issues they're having with COVID. So let's kind of break it down. Um, let's start with this. So April 18th, they go back to Barber Motorsports Park, a good racetrack, a good road course. Then they hit the streets of St. Petersburg. You're going to see a lot of good action in April. I think that's really good. Uh, it's a, I like that, the, the St. Petersburg race, that is a really good race. It, it's always exciting. Usually get your first, sometimes you get your first time winners out of that. And then in May, they are actually doing a double header at Texas. 
May has completely changed from what they used to. Two races at Texas, two ovals, then on May 1st and 2nd, then May 15th, you go to the road course at Indy, and that leads you up to the May May 30th, the 105th ring of the Indianapolis 500. And then in June, doubleheader again. A street course, Belle Isle Race Park, a good race, good doubleheader race weekend. Usually, it, 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 it's always a great weekend there. Then June 20th, they go to Road America. The 4th of July, they're down in Ohio at the Mid-Ohio Sports Course. And then they go up north to Canada, to Canada to the streets of Toronto. And then for the 1st, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later when we focus on the schedule more. I got a thought on this one. The streets of Nashville. First time ever, street course. Then August 14th, they're back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course Weekend. I believe that's what the, that might actually be paired up with NASCAR, I believe. And then it's Worldwide Technology Raceway, August 21st. And then the final month, Portland, September 12th, Laguna Seca, the 19th. And they end out on the West Coast at the streets of Long Beach. Another good race. And what a race that would be to decide the championship. Elliot, your quick thoughts before uh, uh, Elliot, Ryan, some thoughts. Ryan, go ahead. Certainly. Good to see uh, some more double headers. I think they learned a lesson from this past season that not only were they very popular, but when you can get some fans in the stands, probably find it to be quite lucrative as well. And they, I think the layout of the schedule is really good because you're not hanging around any one section of the country too often. You're bouncing around all over the place, really getting that change of scenery. It always makes for a better background, I think. It does, um, but at the same time, there seems to be a little bit of a focus more towards the Midwest, the central mm -hmm. part of the United States. Um, and when I look at the schedule and when I look at going to, um, especially ones like Belle Isle, Road America, Mid-Ohio, Toronto, uh, Portland, and Laguna Seca, and then Long Beach. I mean, you talk about a, 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 a race and um, a track with some history and with some tradition to it. Um, that's, you know, you, you can't get any better than that um, to, to finish out the season. Um, so I like how they're mixing um, experimentation with some new things, uh, you know, looking at, I'm looking principally at that, that Nashville race, August 8th, um, mm -hmm. And coming back to um, Indy, not only for the 500, but for the road course twice um, during the course of, of the year. Um, and then, um, like you talked about, doing the doubleheader at, at Belle Isle. Yes. You know, in the middle of June, Detroit, Michigan, beautiful time of year up there. Um, you know, they're, they're stacking the deck. Um, oh yes, and they kind of need to be, and we're going to be talking about some of that um, a little bit later on here. But um, in terms of 
setting themselves up with a schedule um, and a, a sequence of, of racing events that should translate to a successful 21, uh, 2021 season, this is it. What about that, the layout for that? Speaking of Nashville, what do you think about that layout for the street course? Have you guys seen this? That they actually have a long straight that's going to go over a bridge. They're going up one bridge, then they're coming back around and coming back the other way. If you've seen this layout, it's amazing. It, it, it's it's a really amazing layout. I cannot. I I. I just, I, I'm looking at now, it's going to be, it looks like a 16-turn course. Um, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, 16-turn course. That's that going. is going to be pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, with a bridge. Who, who, <laughs> um, hey, um, whoever it's... planned this course, um, yeah, can you um, can we like hire you? We need you to um, redesign some tracks here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it's it's a gutsy layout uh, for sure, but uh, it it looks like it encompasses a lot of really oh. groovy parts of the city. Oh um, yeah, they're they're gonna have a lot of fun with this. I really hope they do. Oh, it's, I mean, it, it's going to be fun and I, I'm excited for it. I, I am totally excited for, for the open wheel season this year for IndyCar. I, I think it's going to be good. I think that double header in Texas is going to be really interesting uh, because Texas is that one groove track that, it's going to be interesting to see how it, it kind of plays more road course, like where they start to spread out. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's sad that, you know, I was not on there this year, but I mean, yeah. that double hire in Texas can be a game changer that the whole month of May is going to be a game changer. It will be. My only hope is though. And, and I think they, hopefully they learned some things mm -hmm. about running IndyCar at Texas from last year, because a one groove race is, I'm sorry, it's not a fun race. It, 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 it's not, but it's, it's, I mean, no one wanted to try to, it, 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 I, I hate to say it, it's that whole compound they put in there. And that may be Texas is that may be the fault of Texas is that, they formed it into a one groove track. Mm. Um, I think, yes, they need to at least try to make it a two groove track. Yeah. Um, if that means you get, um, if that means you have to get some people in, you know, you have to get a couple drivers to say, this is where we want the grooves to be. But who knows? I mean, when they did that at Texas this year, they were just getting started. They had right. no practice time. They had very little practice time. Right. They were out of the car for almost six months. 
So that may have been fine, but I agree. But you do get some good drafting down there, down the back straight away. You get some good drafting and that's where those moves will be. So I I think it will be interesting. I agree with you completely, but at the same time, you need to have at least a, um, a rudimentary second groove. Mm-hmm. So something doesn't happen like what happened to Felix Rosenquist late yes. last year where, yes. you know, he's trying to pass a lap car on the outside and he's up in the, the middle of that compound and crashes. Well, well, that's what they need to do is they need to get rid they need to, they need to make sure that compound's not in there. I mean, right. it, it, if it's fine, if you put it up high that that's fine. Because you know there's somebody who's going to be daring to try to take that. Mm-hmm. But if they're, if you widen that groove up, that's, that, that's going to be better. Now, if they can, um, you know, if they get some more cars out there, get some more cars to, to help get that groove, maybe lay, maybe lay some rubber down, maybe tell them if, they, if it's going to be one groove, Tell a bunch of cars, hey, go out, just run the middle part of the corner. Get some rubber down there so we can run. Get some rubber to stick. Build up that groove so we can at least get you we at least can go in there and, and get traction into that. However they they go about doing it, here's hoping they do, at the very yes. least. Um, yeah. because the the series cannot start the month of May with a couple of, you know, single file events for, yeah. you know, if for no other reason that um, the track won't support mm-hmm. um, more than one groove in the corners like it did last year. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a good way to start the, the month of May. I don't think that's a good look for the series. It's not a good look for Texas. And yeah. This year, they need some big things to happen. This is a, a, you know, we've talked about NASCAR and it needing to be a a, a big year for them. Well, it needs to be a big year for IndyCar too. And there's some reasons why, and we'll get into more of those here in a little bit. But um, every single event needs to have its own um, natural evolution to it. And it needs to be um, entertaining in in that way, in a a natural, organic way that races do. Um, Now, if if you can't have a a second groove, then that's, you know, it's it's not exactly um, that excitement that is generated out of a, um, out of a race like that. Yeah. So. I, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, they are going to need to make a big splash at Texas. But that the way that track played a, a couple, you know, played last year, it played like a road course where everyone just kind of stuck in a line. They kind of learned early. But again, they, they will have to figure out something. The, the only thing is, is they got a big viewing up a big viewing hit off of that. So if they want to do that, I agree. They got to, they got to make it more exciting from a business standpoint. You got to figure out something. And, and that may be that, that, um, and, and it might be, it, it might be because um, 
Brune Smith was, or I think Gossage, um, whoever owns the, the Texas Air one. Um, well, Gossage is kind of the main yeah, uh, person that has runs everything. Been right, yeah. pushing for years. And you see this talk on Robin Miller's, I, I saw this talk last year at, at, in Robin Miller's mailbag on racer.com. You know, he, Gossage want, wanted Texas to be the first oval. He really does. And mm-hmm. maybe them giving it to him might let him say, okay, now I've got it. Maybe I'll make it a little bit better. You know, it kind of works one, you know, in, in that. So maybe he'll do it. We'll, we'll see how he does it. We'll, we'll, we'll see how they do it, how they plan it. And who knows, this could change months from now. We may not be talking about taxes. So who knows what, what happens come May. But I, I, I agree. It, 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 I, I didn't like it as a road course. I liked it, but or I didn't like them um, going single file. I, I will agree to that. It, it did kind of make it boring, but I will put it this way for them to go for them coming back. It was a good way to just get back into the saddle. Just definitely. They got to make it better. Yeah. Whether they change up the, the package on the cars to, make them a little more racier if they're going to be single file in the groove, you know, to get the drafting a little bit better. We'll, we'll, we'll see what setup they take. I mean, if it's like, if it's the car, like they brought to Iowa, Oh, they're going to, they're they're or gateway they, they'll have good racing. I, I think that's the other factor is the type of car they bring. They bring the car like they run at Indy. And that's just, and you need the the car design like it's the one at Gateway or they run at Iowa, where those cars can be a little more racier. So I, I agree. Very cool, um, Brian. What are your thoughts about um, some of these uh, these tracks and uh, some of the the uh, talking points that uh, David and I have discussed to this point? Well, to start with the tracks and the schedule, I being a longtime fan of both road and street courses, I'm very happy to see those taking up the lion's share of the schedule because I always found those to be much more entertaining races, keeping you on the edge of your seat. I, I was very surprised when I saw the Streets of Nashville race announced, and when I saw that the first time ever, it's like, oh, we're starting to branch out now. Perhaps some potential to see you know other cities joining that. You know, imagine some other of these races scheduled for, you know, more major cities in the future, especially if Streets of Nashville works out, which I'm fairly confident that it will, just for the Brits alone. And honestly, well set up for their schedule. And I think moving the Streets of Long Beach to the end of the season, despite, you know, the obvious reasons of having no choice, I think having a street race to end the season is going to be an exciting ending and really, really push the drivers to the edge to see who wants the championship the most. I think it's going to be a really good season this year. Indeed. Um, I agree. So now let's, we've talked about where they're going to go this year. Now let's talk about 
who's going to go. Um, and let's talk about now the, the drivers and teams that are going to make up the 2021 NTT IndyCar series. Um, and David, there's been a lot of moves um, and a lot of, a lot of changes being made to this point um, and still are. And there, there are more to be made here before we even um, get to uh, Barber in April. Well, um, so the first thing is, let's talk about this. Um, the, um, the car count, uh, expected car count this year is the highest it's been since 2012, according to racingreference.info mm -hmm. and beyondtheflag.com. Uh, Asher Fair wrote this uh, two weeks ago that uh, it appears IndyCar will have 25 full-time cars throughout the 2021 season. Um, and while there's still some question marks about who exactly will be driving some of those 25 entries, um, it's, uh, it speaks another, uh, to another uh, part of the series, which is um, car counts are going up. And so even though, uh, again, according to the number going up from 23 last year is mainly due to Chip Ganassi and Team Penske each adding cars, um, still speaks well to the sport um, that um, more cars are being added to the lineup and maybe even more still um, afterwards, we shall see. But what are your thoughts? Well, I, I definitely think there, there's some good moves. Uh, I mean, that's happening this year. I, I'm glad to see the car counts going up. I know that's something Penske was focused on. You know, that's one, that's one of Roger Penske's goals. He eventually wants to, from a business standpoint, attract another OEM. Well, how do you get another OEM? You got to get more car counts up. You got to get more people involved. So by doing that, a lot of full season rides, some of them maybe you know, some part-time, some doing road course, some drivers just doing road courses, some just doing ovals. It, uh, so... I think it, it's really good that they're getting more car counts and I think they're getting a lot more interest. There have been some notable changes, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but, but you're right. Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, they're leading the way. Um, Penske just uh, got a, a, an alliance um, that was big. That's something Andretti's always done, has these alliances with other teams to help them. So the, these, these three main teams are helping these other teams. So I, I like it this year. I like the counts. Ryan, what do you think about with the car counts? I gotta be honest, it makes me happy to see a higher count than you know years previous. Uh, it shows that not only is IndyCar continuing to be a competitive group, but you know, opening itself up to having more drivers come in, it can only, you know, expand its horizons in terms of, you know, spectacle, having that many drivers per race, and obviously bringing the fans of those drivers in. More viewers means more profit. More profit means everybody wins. Tide lifts all boats. Yeah, quite, sir. Yep. So let's 
talk about some of these moves going on. I mean, probably the no- most notable is Mar- what Marco Andre just did, where he says he's going to only run the Indy 500. That's it. They don't know, um, you know, he, he's going to go run some sports cars with his cousin, Jared Andre, who I actually got to see race at Oswego Speedway the one year. Very good talent driver. So he, he's showing his cousin in that. That's going to leave a big opening. We don't know where James Hinchcliffe is going. The last thing I heard was that Robin Miller on racer.com, I was reading the one time, was had a piece out a few weeks ago saying that it sounded like they were going to, Andre was going to get the deal done with Ryan Hunter Ray. And it sounded like maybe James Hinchcliffe. So um, I, I'm going to take a bet. I'm wondering that James Hinchcliffe is going to drive the 98 the rest of the year. But there's also the 29 that's opening that's doing a Sebring test that, that did that. So we don't know if who's going to fill that. Big noble Jimmy Johnson. Went from NASCAR. He's going to do IndyCar for Chip Ganassi Racing, Rodent Street. Tony Kanan is his counterpart in that, doing the ovals. Um, Colton Herta uh, is going to drive the eighty or drive the twenty-six, so the eighty-eight's not there. Connor Daly's just doing Indy. Juan Pablo Montoya doing Indy. Here's the big one: Helio Castroneves is done with Penske Racing. He is going to go to Ma- uh, Meyer Shank Racing. He's kind of helping them out, kind of doing a mentoring role as well from what I've understood or what I was reading to Jack Harvey. Um, and, and Sebastian Bordes gets to drive the AJ Foyt car. So I... I just wonder what's going to happen with this, with, with some of these drivers. But you got also Alex Palou, who's going in there in, in into um, Chip Ganassi. Ganassi. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of good changes, but I've, I've got to say one. I, I know the Dale Coyne Racing Vassar Sullivan's opening, but I got to say one and, and props to this. And I, um, I, I want to give props to this. Simonia D. Silvestro, Roger Penske pushed pushed initiative for diversity in IndyCar. They have in their, I believe, the Mazda Indy Series. It's an all minority team that's running for the Indy 500. The first all female team mm-hmm. with. Um, Peretta Autosport. I think that's a really good move, and I like that considering who broke the gender barrier was Janet Guthrie and how much respect she got when she did it. I think I, I think this is really good, and I I it's going to be very very interesting to see how they do, and mm-hmm. I I I'm glad Penske got you know allowed this to happen it's a good yep. change move and it's a good way to get attract more money yep and de Silvestro is a popular driver too 
Um, and it's good to see her coming back to Indy um, and give the 500 another run. Um, so, um, so that's some good news all around there. Uh, best of luck to them. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a ton of interesting storylines going into this year and a ton of interesting storylines from some really, really visible people um, in the sport. David, you talked about some, you talk about uh, seven time Jimmy Johnson um, kind of uh, learning the ropes right now of an IndyCar and trying to get um, caught up uh, to some of these other uh, big name teams, big name drivers. And um, that supposedly he's, he's really putting in a lot of effort. Um, according to Paul Kelly of IndyCar.com, uh, is uh, even running some Formula Four stuff right now to uh, try and build up his his uh, skill set in open wheel cars, um, but uh, but that's going to be interesting to see how he evolves this year. It's going to be interesting to see um, how AJ Foyt's team does this year. Uh, there were some rumors that uh, they um, did pretty decent at the the C ring test. Um, Team Penske did not show up apparently to uh, to Sebring, so um, at least for um, for this one day. So while we do see Ganassi and Andretti doing well, um, where exactly Penske fits into this is going to be a very interesting unknown. Talked about Polo at, at Ganassi maybe doing some big things. Um, so um, yeah, just. Um, and then uh, Castro Neves too, um, moving into a mentorship role. Um, I would be very curious if he um, keeps Gilles de Ferrin on speed dial this year, or if they've uh, um, had some, some lengthy Zoom meetings. Um, because I uh, recall that uh, de Ferrin uh, kind of served as a, a, a general manager, basically for um, McLaren and uh, their, uh, uh, their IndyCar effort and trying to improve that program um, following uh, their very infamous DNQ at the 500 in 2019. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, uh, detailed here by Dieter Renkin and Keith Colatine at racefans.net. Um, and how they have improved, uh, especially in 2020, um, most notably with the Patricio Award, um, finishing fourth in the championship and doing very well. Um, and so even though uh, DeFerrin, I believe, is uh, stepping away this year, mm -hmm. there is uh, some very successful recent precedent with um, a known very successful open wheel driver stepping in to a senior leadership role, mentorship role, what have you, and really helping a race team or a race driver along. So we'll see if um, Castro Neves can, um, can follow in, uh, in DeFerrin's footsteps in his own way. Yeah, indeed. Well, Ryan, any any quick thoughts before we hit to break? 
Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm looking forward to seeing the performance of the all-female team at the Indy 500. And for no other reason than, as you gentlemen so eloquently put it, it's, you know, groundbreaking. Something that's not been done before. And that's the sort of thing where, you know, future legends come from. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of interest. And with a lot of interest uh, comes ratings um, and people showing up to see how they do. And as we talked about before, um, with that interest and ratings and track attendance comes money. And um, that'll be a, um, a really great thing for the sport, and especially if they, uh, if they are very competitive and, um, uh, and have a great 500. Um, it'll be great for them and uh, it'll be uh, great for the entire series. So um, best uh, of luck and best wishes to them. Agreed. And hopefully it can lead them to a full-time se season ne uh, next year. Yes, sir. Here's hoping. Um, so with that, it is time for us to clear out the hauler and get ready to get back to the track and get ready to go green. We're going to take a quick break right now. And Ryan's going to tell you about one of our great sponsors. This is from Checker to Green. We'll be right back with the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you starting to launch your own business or trying to improve your business appeal so you can get a leg up on your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and the capability to give your business an edge. Logo design, business cards, letterheads, anything that you need to put yourself in front of your competitors and stand out from the crowd. If you're interested in the services they have to offer, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now, back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Welcome back, race fans. The green flag is out and in the air, and we are underway with our final segment of the of the podcast. And breaking news: this came out today. If you're listening, it's January twenty second when when this broke. If you have not heard it by already, I'm I'm sure you have because it's affecting all sports, but particularly auto racing as well NBC Sports Network will be no longer at the end of 2021 this affects NASCAR IndyCar English English Premier League NHL reports from what I'm seeing on on racer.com is and from what I'm hearing I think Bob Pacris tweeted this out as well that it's going to that the the buildup might be that the major sports may transition to USA Network, so there's going to be some simulcasts going on, and then in 2022, like NASCAR, transition it to USA Network. But there was no talk about IndyCar. What's going to happen? And gentlemen. What's your thoughts? Uh, 
the news of this was 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 a surprise um, because um, from me as um, a semi-casual sports fan, um, maybe a little more than a casual sports fan, um, had no idea this was coming, um, and so this is this is a, a very big shock, um, and so there was some. Uh, there's also some talk um, in making this move today um, in moving some stuff maybe over to the USA network. Um, there was also some suggestion, and as an example, I'm seeing this in um, USA Today written by Ellen uh, Harrow um, talking about how some of these things may be moved to NBC's streaming service, Peacock. Um, so I have some some uh, a few questions about that move and especially the timing of the move relative to everything that's going on in the country right now, economically, um, people not being in a good way um, with, uh, uh, with everything going on with COVID, with businesses still being impacted, a lot of small businesses especially, um, and a lot of people still without jobs. Um, and with that, um, not a lot of money. So I have some real questions about how uh, shutting down NBCSN to move stuff either to USA, um, which, you know, moving uh, sports coverage to an unfamiliar network um, or a previously unknown network to sports fans, uh, to me, doesn't exactly bode well for ratings. Um, which IndyCar in particular is in sore need of. Mm -hmm. So we talked before about how, um, how very badly I think 2021 needs to be a big year for IndyCar. And this news just accents it that much more. Um, they, they need attention, they need eyeballs, and they need a lot of people to spark interest in this series in order to be able to follow it. Um, even if it's flipping a channel from NBCSN to USA, especially if you have events that are going to Peacock and to streaming, and if there's a subscription that's required for that, um, that's going to um, require a great number of hardcore racing fans, not only for IndyCar, but also for NASCAR um, and I believe IMSA may be affected in this and any other um, sporting series, sanctioning body, whatever the case. Um, it's um, uh, what this speaks to me is it, it's concerning from a motorsport standpoint um, and how it does on some of these secondary networks outside of NBC, outside of ABC. Um, Etc. Outside of Fox, um, and uh, I think I mentioned NBC already, but um, you know we've seen Speed close. Now we're seeing NBCSN close, and um, you know motorsports. You know were big parts of both networks, and now both of them are no longer here. Yeah. So that that's troublesome in that sense as well. Um, 
what what gets to me about this is that I I was shocked. I mean, I, I saw the tweet come through with Kelly Crandall, who's a, a reporter for Racing racer.com she's their nascar reporter and as soon as i said i sent you the screenshot elliot and in the reaction now you you were shocked and it's just i mean and then as the news came through i started seeing on facebook more and what, what bothers me the most is that indycar just made this big deal they gave nbc the indy 500 all the races, you know, if I'm Roger Penske, I'd be livid right now. I would, as soon as that came out, if I was Penske, I'd be calling up everyone in, in, the, in the upper management, having a, having a meeting, having an emergency call and say, listen, what are we going to do? We got to figure out, do we stay with NBC? Do we suffer a risk of going to peacock do we not get our races on usa what do we do who do we start talking to who do we make it this might be the chance i i was i was thinking before we we did you know before we started tonight what could they do you know if i was penske what networks could i go out to because I'd be starting to try and make a deal with somebody for, for next season. Just in case if you, they get they get shafted and they're out. And the, the first thing I, I thought was, well, what about Fox? Well, here's the issue. You do races in the fall. Fox has football, has the NFL. You gotta go up against the NFL. You're gonna you, you it'd be tough to schedule around that. Maybe FS1, okay, maybe. I thought CBS. Well, there you go. The same issue is um, is with NFL when you get to the fall, and then you've got the CBS Sports Network. Well, the issue is is you have to deal with the um, most people don't have CBS Sports Network like up here. Verizon FiOS, it, it lets you get the most premier package. It's included, but with Spectrum, if you got the very basic package, you you got it no matter what. Um, it, it, so you have to, you know, you have to look at that. My thought, and I'm going back to it, is ABC. Go back to ESPN, ABC. Guess what? You got ESPN Plus. It's usually, I mean, you got the ESPN Plus with the subscription, but you also got, if you have ESPN, you get access to the ESPN app. You can watch other races for free on the ESPN app. You, you know, if you have ESPN, you can, what, what they call their ESPN3, you can watch through that. So that would be good for the lower series. You, you can get Indy back to ABC. You can get races on ESPN, ESPN2. Heck, you, if it's 
if it's really busy, you've got the ACC network, you got the SEC network, you got the, you've got ESPNU, you got ESPNU's. Pick a network. I think that I think that's what Penske needs to do, is say, you know what, NBC, thanks, but no thanks. The we're gonna we're gonna say you're violating our contract. Find it. I know he could. Go if you gotta go legal on them, you, you do from a business standpoint because it will somewhere there's a breach in this contract. I do it with a fine tooth cone. I would say it. Find that loop. Find that exit. Tell them thanks. Bye, and make a deal with ABC. Yeah, the only thing is, souls. I'm. Um, I would be very, very surprised um, if in the course of making this move, um, if uh, NBC was in uh, breach of contract with uh, Roger Penske and IndyCar or anybody else. They signed that big deal. What was that? That deal for them to get the Indy 500 starting in 2019 was in 2019 was they got all the Indy car races. They got access to all the minor, all the lower series, which was on their NBC sports app, which was a paid subscription. You could get the track pass. There's, there's gotta be something there. There, There's, got to be something there if it says we have the right to terminate fine end of story but if there's a way that if there's something in there that says we will give you so much money and we're giving you all these races through this amount of year and so much money there's your breach there's the breach and you and if i'm and I hate to say it, if I'm NBC, Roger Penske's going to be your nightmare right now. He is a hell of a businessman, and I will say he's probably got one hell of a lawyer team. It may probably. have to be. And if I'm Penske, go talk to ABC right now. If I'm ABC, jump on this. Come on. Especially IndyCar. NASCAR, eh, you know, NASCAR's between Fox and all that. But IndyCar, you've got um you you you're just on one one channel, one network. I I think they gotta go for it. Ryan, I we got a couple more minutes. What's your any thoughts to this? Yes. This is coming from a place of pure speculation. So take it with the metaphorical grain of salt. But one common thing you find in contracts of that high caliber is a minimum expectation clause. What that is, is a, an agreement for this service in the case, you know, Indy 500, the Indy car races, the lower series, all that. You know, in return, you have a minimum expectation of viewership, ratings, financial returns, something of that nature. And if they can show that because of this decision, NBC would not be able to meet that minimum expectation, Penske could just walk right away from that deal. And basically NBC wouldn't have a leg to stand on and he'd be free to take all of that to 
whoever would be willing to accept that contract and say, yes, I can manage those expectations. So I think most likely, Dave, that's would be Penske's most likely out. And no doubt being the smart individual that he is, he most likely has his legal team already working that avenue. So I, this is the sort of thing where NBC sports cancellation would leave a vacuum in sports broadcasting. And that's the sort of thing. It just doesn't last long because managed well, it's too lucrative to just be ignored. So one way or another, it will end up in someone else's hands. i but of course, that's one fellow's humble opinion. Well, that that brings a, another thought up, um, and maybe this is the direction that all of this is um, is going anyway. Um, maybe at the end of all of this, um, especially if if streaming is going to become such a big thing, um, and I'm I'm looking at a tweet here earlier today from Brett Griffin, uh, the former spotter for Clint Boyer and has been around the business side of motorsports for a long time. Um, and he tweeted today that quote, a smart man told me this was going to happen at the beginning of 2020 shift to streaming is inevitable for lots of programming close quote. So with that in mind, um, I would be curious if you start to see, um, individual sanctioning bodies handling their own streaming that that that's a, a good case in point i mean you got the dirt series already doing that with the outlaws and yeah and dirt yep. vision so i and mean it, it, it's free to sign up and I, i'll i'll put it this way with, with dirt vision really quick i i don't pay the money to do the subscription because what do they do after they put the races on there for free after. So you can watch it wherever you want to and, and fast forward through, you know, breaks in the action and that. So, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yep. Sign of the times for sure. Yeah. So uh, with that, uh, it's time for us to uh, move into our final thoughts of this episode. Um and for our final thoughts this week, we wanted to touch on something uh, that we referenced uh, in our um, our combination or our uh, dual NASCAR episodes uh, here recently, um, where we talked about the um, some of the things that um, came out of the sim racing world in 2020, um, and the increased visibility that sim racing has gotten. Um, as a result of, uh, you know, partly as a result of everything that happened uh, in 2020 and, and uh, the uh, brief um, move exclusively all racing on, on uh, online on a, on a sim racing platform. And we talked about some things that, um, that uh, sim racing, especially iRacing has done um, in the stock car realm, um, including some homages to the past, um, bringing out the 1987 Monte Carlo, bringing out the 1987 Thunderbird, um, bringing out North Wilkesboro um, with uh, pictures from the past, etc. cetera. Um, and when I was looking at iRacing today, um, and I've had a subscription on and off with them for, for some time, but um, I have not recently 
um, just because of, uh, of life events and space, et cetera. Uh, but um, uh, they don't have very much in the way of historical IndyCar um, products. They have them for Formula One uh, in the form of uh, the older logo. I think two of them actually. Um, so I thought it would be really cool as we did before to kind of sit down and have a little round table about what would be really cool to see um, from an IndyCar standpoint on sim racing platforms like iRacing going forward. And so with that, um, David, I'll go ahead and, and um, hand the floor to you and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of good tracks that come to mind with this. I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the old, you know, the old tracks, the historical venues. I mean, they, they should add. I mean, I, I remember playing this game for the Wii, Indi, Indianapolis 500 Legends. And it was like from the 60, I think it was like from 60 to 72. So, I mean, a lot of good cars back then. And, you know, if they would bring back the old cars like the Turbine, I mean, drive that, some of the Roadsters, some of those cars from the 70s when they started to explore with wings and aerodynamics and the 80s. I mean, I, I, I got to sit in Rick Muir's 1980 Indy 500 car in, in Cape Cod. They were doing Indy 500 exhibit. I was on vacation. My daughter Lily got to sit in it because uh, she's getting to like race cars, and I'm hoping to get her to watch more races this her this year with her. But I got to sit in it, and I thought, man, what beautiful how car it was, and. I just, I, I'd like to see that. And I'd like to see the old tricks. I'd like to see them put Indianapolis progression through the years from when it was all brick to just the front straightaway to when the pits were on the front, you know, no pit wall. It was, you know, you pulled over and did your stop, pulled right back out into action. Um, you know, narrow pit roads, the 88 when they put the concrete pit road down for the first time. It's, you know, I'd like to see those. And there's some other old historical tracks that they need to put in there, like the old world Texas Speedway. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think about, I, I think if you're going to, do that then that goes with you're gonna have to go into the vault of where they used to run at different tracks maybe ontario grant that i mean grant it's a housing development now but you could probably use pictures to develop ontario speedway that was already always big maybe san air san air was a triangle a very short triangle track that was that's an interesting track maybe get like when they ran to ran with vancouver or edmonton 
or Long Beach in the 70s when in the 80s um you know yeah was surfers paradise in australia i know they've got an australian yeah and things but yeah i don't sur- know if that's the same layout as, as no i i there. think surfers was in um uh where, where do they run the australian grand prix is that adelaide that is a very good question and i, I think surfers sure. was 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 I, I I thought Surfers was near Sydney, but yeah, Surfers. I mean, I I think those would be good tracks. I would actually. It, it just came to mind. One of the tracks I think I really like to see them do is um is the old Michigan track where it was just a like an armco barrier there weren't many stands around and they were fast especially in the 80s if you took the 1980 michigan track that was there was some good racing on there so i i would think maybe like those would be cool ryan well, to answer the question that you gentlemen brought up, the Australian Grand Prix is held at the Albert Park Grand Prix circuit in Melbourne. Ah. Just to clear that up. And to build off of that, as I've always liked the international tracks. It's always had a special place in my heart because I felt they always offered the most challenge. To bring a few of those in to the IndyCar uh, digital racing circuits, I think would add up unique challenge not that those drivers are unaccustomed to road courses but they'd be kind of unaccustomed to these road courses because it's not some place they routinely go plus for people who are unfamiliar with the foreign tracks i think it might generate a lot of interest in it seeing like oh well these are tracks are different never seen this before yeah this could be a good race and i think it would also be a good way to bring the international crowd into you know interesting indycar it's like oh the indycar guys are driving our track nice so in a you know perfect world and if i could work my will that's what i'd like to see very cool well we're in a, a, a place in time now where we're incorporating uh different people of different disciplines in uh different race cars and they're known for um, and maybe it's time that we do the same thing with, uh, with some of these, uh, these international tracks that IndyCar may have never gotten to, um, that it would be really cool to see how they would, how they would run there. Um, and, uh, the, the opportunities are limitless, but first, um, we need to have the opportunity to run something. Um, and so it'd be cool to um, at least get the cars there. And then um, there's some of the tracks internationally. We've talked about them in, in uh, past episodes, but um, uh, to build on what they have would be extraordinary. Um, and there would be, I think, a ton of interest. So um, here's hoping for that. Um, but for now, uh, gentlemen, the green flag is out and it's time for us to go racing and uh, bring a a close to this episode and uh, 
focus on the next one. Definitely indeed. Have a good good evening, folks, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening all. We'll catch you on the next round. Yep. Thank you, everybody, and appreciate all of the uh, the listens, all of the interest, um, and uh, all of the love. Thank you all very much. Be safe. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast. Welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good midday, wherever and whenever you are listening. This is From Checker to Green, the podcast all about racing. This is Elliot Tardiff, and with me, as always, my two worthy colleagues, David Motti and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, welcome. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon to our audience. And Elliot, Ryan, it's good to be back for another episode here, and... I will say I am pumped because we are getting so close to racing beginning. I'm excited. Yeah, I hear you there, sir. And not only is are we beginning to get close to the racing season, but a more familiar racing season, unlike what we dealt with this past year. This season looks like it might be a bit more what we're accustomed to. One can hope. And we're going to talk about that Um if not this episode, then uh, the next. But uh, um, as much as COVID had a, an impact on the racing season in 2020, while the, the trend is generally suggests an improvement in 2021, there may still be some question marks um, as we especially head into the first part of the season as we're starting to see uh, with some schedules already. And we're going to talk much more about that um, in certain parts of uh, tonight's episode, but um, but yeah, here's hoping to a um, a more regular 2021 season throughout motorsport. Definitely, and you know, it, it, I I agree with that. A a new season, a new year. It looks like we're going to be off to a great start. And you know what? We've actually already had some racing going on this year already. Mm-hmm. The famous Chili Bowl. Yes, it went on. COVID did not shut it down. They actually had limited fans. Gentlemen, should we start slinging some dirt here? Let's do it. So the Chili Bowl ran this year uh just finished up last weekend it, it's a great weekend you know i definitely would love to get there but kyle larson way to go back to back years he won in 2020 he repeats again he is he if he runs it next year he could shoot for that three in a row but he won the the 55 lap feature 
different car, different sponsor. Justin Grant was second. Tanner Thorson was third. Cannon McTosh was fourth. Darren Pittman, World of Outlaw driver, twenty or was fifth. Chris Windham was sixth. Ricky Styles Jr. was seventh. Brad Sweet eighth. Spencer Basin was ninth, and Logan CV was tenth. A lot of good drivers in this. A lot of Cup drivers ran. Some local boys around New uh, New York State. Tim McCready, um, he's pretty famous. Uh, uh, late model driver, if you're a dirt fan, he's the son of Barefoot Bob McCready. He did not get into the A main this year, but he's he got into the B main, finished 10th, missed the transfer spot. But a lot of good drivers this year, good racing, another good event. I think they had over, I think they had close to 340 cars, I believe. Um, they you know, when they started getting more, they had to extend the nights, and that was pr- it. Was a pretty good year this year for them, despite with COVID, and they were able to have fans. So, kudos to Kyle Larson this year, and hopefully, this will be a, a good luck year for Kyle Larson uh, as he bounces back. Gentlemen, your thoughts about the Chili Bowl? Well, it was definitely an exceptional year um, for. A, a few different reasons. Um, number one is we're continuing to see a trend of drivers in more visible racing series, um, especially NASCAR, uh, and especially the touring, the, the major touring series, the Cup, the Xfinity, and the Trucks, um, all coming to Tulsa and putting an effort together. And in some cases, doing really, really well. Um, Kyle Larson, obviously. Uh, Christopher Bell, who um, put a spirited run together and was battling for the lead um, at one point, I believe, towards the end of the race and ended up crashing out, um, but had a great event. Rico Abreu, uh, who was race, uh, I believe, in the trucks on a pretty yes. regular basis over the years. Uh, he did one year, and then he decided to go back to sprint cars. Well, uh, that that has done really, really well for him mm-hmm. uh, because uh, he had a, a good run this year. Uh, I believe he won. Uh, uh, I believe he won one of the um, uh, one of the other races that ran uh, during the. Um, yeah, he, he he won one of the qualifier events. They they do um, different qualifying events because of so big field they have. Yeah. So he was he was he won one of the qualifying events, which I did see. Yep, and he had a pretty fast car the whole time. And and yeah. Stenhouse, um, I think this was his first Chili Bowl, and he didn't disappoint um, in one of the B mains. Yeah. Um, he actually won it. And uh, didn't do bad, as you pointed out, David. He finished uh, seventh in the A main in yeah. the big show, which has a uh, uh, a total field of twenty four cars from th- over three hundred, as you pointed out, David. The the uh, Chili Bowl website uh, gave the car count at three hundred nine. Wow, that that that's big, and it and is. and I think I saw online. 
I'm going to try to find this, you know, while you give some thoughts, um, while we continue to talk about this, but they actually have the Chili Bowl page actually ran a flip count, a, a count of how many flips they had. And I am seeing, uh, I'm looking at their Facebook page, 65. 65 flips um and that i mean i mean i've seen it higher in years um um but yeah they so it must have been pretty clean racing this year um which is pretty good um especially in tulsa that track they they build that dirt track it's really it's really interesting so but there were, I mean, like you said, many drivers come come to the sport to run. You, you got a bunch of cup guys. Um, you do get open wheel drivers, drivers who, um, you know, run open wheels and kind of leaning into our, um, you know, kind of leaning into the next thing with, with this episode being about IndyCar is that you it's just a wide range of talent that comes there and from all all walks of life so it's definitely great great event i definitely want to go out there sometime because it's always around my birthday when this runs so um maybe sometime down the road i'll go out there for the week yep and uh tulsa oklahoma in january generally speaking not the worst time of year to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can definitely think of uh, uh, some, some tougher times of the season to go. Um, but looking at the, uh, um, looking at the, the, some of the entries, the other notable entries uh, that gave this a go this year, uh, Justin Allgaier. Um, yeah. With uh, Xfinity driver with junior motorsports. Um, he ran actually one, uh, one of the I mains um, mm-hmm. and uh, advanced into the uh, the H main uh, didn't advance out of it. Uh, that's yeah. another notable part of this uh, this that, event. That Saturday of different uh, main events where people yeah. um, can um, advance Try. to the next event, to the next event, to the yeah. next event, and eventually onto the main show. That. That that's you know that there's a term for that and it's the alphabet soup. Yes. Um, and out of it, no one you know a lot of drivers get that run. And what makes it tough is you win that you finish in the transfer position. You start in the back, so you've got to keep starting in the back, moving up, starting in the back, moving up, get to that transfer position. Eventually, it becomes tr- tougher because there's a lot of good competitors. Mm-hmm. I I will say I think I I think the only person that I know that did it, and I believe it it, it wasn't at the Chili Bowl, but it was at the Knoxville Nationals. I think it was Doug Wolfgang or um, Bobby Allen. One of them ran the alphabet soup and made it to the A. So. Yeah, you got a lot of mains, you got qualifying events, you have a race of champions. It's like it's like all these races lead up to the big event and 
everyone at least gets a chance to run that say, that final day. So nobody yeah. goes home until then. Right. Um, and it's worth noting too, um, I was following this, uh, especially on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I would be remiss if we uh, moved away from talking about the Chili Bowl without talking about a gentleman named Jason McDougall, um, mm-hmm. who was doing the alphabet soup, who was uh, advancing I through um, the main races and, tr- and transferring to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Um, and I believe it was either the E main or the D main. He started shotgun on the field um, and worked his way up and was uh, um, either uh, transferred or was about to transfer. In the case of the D main, um, he actually was battling late with another racer named Ryan Bernal. Mm -hmm. And uh, McDougal was winning. He started 17th um, in this race, drove all the way up to the lead in a 15 lap race on yeah. a quarter mile track. That's how inspired this guy was in this car. Yeah. Um, but um, got wrecked on the last lap, got spun by Ryan Bernal and didn't transfer to the C main. And talk, talk about heartbreak. Yeah, talk about heartbreak. And uh, Ryan Bernal, to his credit, he went down and um, apologized to Jason McDougall in person and said, hey, I got any, I'm sorry. Um, so uh, good on him. Uh, there were That's... a lot of people that were quite salty at, at, uh, at that move. But, and as it was, uh, Bernal ended up getting disqualified as well. He ended up finishing 16th in that race. So he didn't make it to the next uh, main either. But yeah. um, McDougal is somebody that you're probably going to be hearing a lot more about um, in dirt circles or maybe other circles uh, going forward from mm-hmm. what he did at the Chili Bowl this year. Yeah, most certainly. But that was, um, I mean, that, that was definitely a good race this year, but it's not the only thing that, that's happened. You know, we, we were kind of this, this, you know, we're in the off season and the Chili Bowl does kick off, you know, the, the start of the racing season, but there's still a lot of off season going on. And one of the seasons that finished up last last year that was able to get races was was IndyCar and the 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 I'm gonna say it they call him the Kiwi just because he's from New Zealand Scott Dixon what a performance this year in in IndyCar to take his sixth championship in IndyCar racing looking at his stat he there was only one race where he finished out of the top 10 and that was the second road America race. He was consistent. He had, he had a lot of top, he had a lot of top five finishes, a lot of top tens, some top threes. He won the first three races. He won mm-hmm. the race at gateway. Great race for him. Had to hold it out in the end because he, um, Joseph Newgarn started to put a run. Um, he finished second in the points. Colton Herta, fantastic year for this for this driver. He's definitely got a bright future ahead of him. He won la- he won in his first as a rookie. He's doing well, third in points. 
Petto Award was um, fourth. Will Power fifth. Graham Rahal sixth. Takuma Sato, who, if you remember on our when we talked about them running at Texas, who didn't start Texas due to a crash. Finished seventh in points. He won the Indy 500 this year. Simon Paginot had a rough year. He was eighth in points. Alex Rossi got a top 10 finish um, in points. He had some good runs. It was a mixed year for him. He was ninth. And Ryan Hunter Ray closed out 10th in points. But Dixon, way to go. I think it was a really good season for IndyCar, what they put together even though they did not have fans at the Indy 500, um, Roger Penske stuck to his, um, his, his ownership and his, his guns and said, this race will be ran no matter, essentially no matter what. And he ran it. He knew he couldn't have fans. It was in August and that, that was a really good race. They did. So I, I, I give a lot of credit this year to Roger Penske on this. Um, but yeah, congrats, Scott Dixon. Um, third on the all-time win list. He's chasing down Mar- uh, Mario and AJ, and I think he can catch him. Yeah, Scott Dixon this year, I mean, he was, there were races, especially, like you said, David, early on in the year, where it looked like Dixon had two more cylinders in his engine than everybody else. Nobody had anything for him. Um, and, and he would and, have won Indy if, if, um, if he could caught Sato. Yep. Yep. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, just overall, um, just a great, great year for Dixon, uh, for Chip Ganassi. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they were on it. They were on it from the get-go. Um, and yeah, you had some, some good runs from, from other drivers, uh, you know, and other teams, uh, team Penske and Andretti come to mind, but, um, Andretti, gosh, what a rough, rough start to the year for them. You talked about Takuma Sato's issue, uh, at the, I think the very first race at Texas. Yeah. With Ray Um, Hall. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, all the teams and then, uh, you know, Sato not even be able to get off the, uh, the starting line. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, um, you know, great run for them. Uh, New Garden, as you pointed out, um, with four wins, uh, and six podiums, mm-hmm. uh, compared to Dixon's four wins and seven podiums, um, according to racingreference.info. Yeah. Um, New Garden was no slouch either, and it'll be interesting to see um, going into this year um, how uh, those uh, um, uh, how that rivalry kind of builds, um, and the the rivalry between uh, Ganassi and Team Penske. It kind of seems like um, they're they're still going to be the uh, the big show this year. Yeah, I, I definitely think they will be. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how they do this year. I know we'll break down the schedule, we'll break down some off-season moves in our next segment, but it's just, I mean, it, it's amazing. Um, 
Colton Herta, you know, if he, I mean, he's just improving, and I think he's going to be a threat um, this year. If he can have a really good, solid year um, and, and not have issues, a good junior season, you know, he's, he's in his, he'll be in his third year. I th- he may be a threat for this championship. Who knows? But that's the one thing of IndyCar. You may have a bad year and you're great next year. You may have a good year and the f- next year you're you're having trouble. So one other final note. Congratulations, Renus VK. I know he had trouble at Texas. He was involved in that wreck. He got rookie of the year. He did put a um, third place finish together at um, at the road course at Indy. He did have some top fives this year. He had um, he actually was pretty good at the road course at Indy for two of the three races, Gateway. So. VK, definitely good for him. Um, We'll see how he does in his sophomore year. Yep. So with that said, our producer's flagging us into the pit. We need to get four tires and some gas, and we'll be back out. This is from the Checker to Green podcast. From Checker to Green Podcast, we'll be right back. Enjoying what you're hearing? Join the conversation. See us at our Facebook page or on Twitter at From Checker to Green Podcast. Your feedback helps drive our production. Like a certain segment? Tell us about it. Certain topic in racing you want us to cover? Let us know. And if you're enjoying this episode, find the rest of our episodes on podcast.com and at Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the listen and join the conversation. And now, Back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Now it's time to delve into our spotlight segment for this episode. And uh, for this spotlight, we're going to focus on the IndyCar series and looking ahead to the 2021 schedule and talking about the notable uh, off-season moves, the silly season, um, heading into 2021. So, David, let's talk about, I guess, um, to start with, let's talk about the schedule. Let's talk about where they're going to go this year. Um, And some, I guess, kind of um, uh, not late-breaking, but recent developments to the schedule um, in response to some things going on with COVID, and um, moving some things around and, and uh, where, where we're going from here. Yeah, definitely indeed. And, and there has been some late changes going around. I've got the schedule here. And the first, the, the first thing, I, I love the asterisk they put up here saying on the IndyCar website with the schedule, schedule subject to change. Well, yeah, and it has changed. Um, a a couple things because of the COVID pandemic and, and what's going on with COVID usually St. Petersburg kicks off the start of the season. And that would have been in March. Well, that got pushed back to April 25th and Long Beach 
got pushed back to the last race of the year just because of California, there the the issues they're having with COVID. So let's kind of break it down. Um, let's start with this. So April eighteenth, they go back to Barber Motorsports Park, a good racetrack, a good road course. Then they hit the streets of St. Petersburg. You're going to see a lot of good action in April. I think that's really good. Uh, it's a, I like that the the St. Petersburg race. That is a really good race. It, it's always exciting. Usually get your first. Sometimes you get your first time winners out of that. And then in May, they are actually doing a double header at Texas. May has completely changed from what they used to. Two races at Texas, two ovals, then on May 1st and 2nd, then May 15th, you go to the road course at Indy, and that leads you up to the May May 30th, the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500. And then in June, doubleheader again, a street course, Belle Isle Race Park, a good race, good doubleheader race weekend. Usually, it, it, it's always a great weekend there. Then June 20th, they go to Road America. The 4th of July, they're down in Ohio at the Mid-Ohio Sports Course. And then they go up north to Canada, to Canada to the streets of Toronto. And then for the first, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later when we focus on the schedule more. I got a thought on this one. The streets of Nashville, first time ever street course. Then August 14th, they're back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course weekend. I believe that's what the, that might actually be paired up with NASCAR, I believe. And then it's Worldwide Technology Raceway, August 21st. And then the final month, Portland, September 12th, Laguna Seca, the 19th. And they end out on the west coast at the streets of long beach another good race and what a race that would be to decide the championship elliot your quick thoughts before uh, uh, elliot ryan some thoughts ryan go ahead certainly good to see uh, some more double headers i think they learned a lesson from this past season that not only were they very popular but when you can get some fans in the stands, probably find it to be quite lucrative as well. And they, I think the layout of the schedule is really good because you're not hanging around any one section of the country too often. You're bouncing around all over the place, really getting that change of scenery. It always makes for a better background, I think. It does. Um, but at the same time, there seems to be a little bit of a focus more towards the Midwest, the central mm -hmm. part of the United States. Um, and when I look at the schedule and when I look at going to, um, especially ones like Belle Isle, Road America, Mid-Ohio, Toronto, uh, Portland, and Laguna Seca, and then Long Beach. I mean, you talk about a, 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 a race and um, a track with some history and with some tradition to it. Um, that's... You know, you, you can't get any better than that um, to to finish out the season. Um, so I like how 
they're mixing um, experimentation with some new things, uh, you know, looking at, I'm looking principally at that, that Nashville race, August 8th, um, mm -hmm. and coming back to um, Indy, not only for the 500, but for the road course twice um, during the course of, of the year. Um, and then, um, like you talked about, doing the doubleheader at, at Belle Isle. Yes. You know, in the middle of June, Detroit, Michigan, beautiful time of year up there. Um, you know, they're, they're stacking the deck. Um, oh, yes. And they kind of need to be. And we're going to be talking about some of that um, a little bit later on here. But um, in terms of setting themselves up with a schedule um, and a, a sequence of, of racing events that should translate to a successful 21, uh, 2021 season, this is it. What about that, the layout for that? Speaking of Nashville, what do you think about that layout for the street course? Have you guys seen this? That they actually have a long straight that's going to go over a bridge. They're going up one bridge, then they're coming back around and coming back the other way. If you've seen this layout, it's amazing. It, it, it's it's a really amazing layout. I cannot. I I I just I, I'm looking at now. It's going to be. It looks like a 16 turn course. Um, it's it, it's it's a yeah 16 turn course. That's that going. is going to be pretty crazy. Oh yeah, with a bridge. Who, who? Um, hey, um, whoever it's... planned this course, um, yeah, can you um, can we like hire you? We need you to um, redesign some tracks here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it's it's a gutsy layout uh, for sure, but uh, it it looks like it encompasses a lot of really oh groovy parts of the city oh um, yeah they're, they're gonna have a lot of fun with this i really hope they do oh it's i mean it, it's gonna be fun and i i'm excited for it i i am totally excited for for the open wheel season this year for indycar i i think it's gonna be good i think that double header in texas is gonna be really interesting uh because Texas is that one groove track that it's going to be interesting to see how it, it kind of plays more road course like where they start to spread out. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's sad that, you know, I was not on there this year, but I mean, yeah. that double hire in Texas can be a game changer that the whole month of May is going to be a game changer. It will be. My only hope is though, and, and I think they hopefully they learned some things mm -hmm. about running IndyCar at Texas from last year, because a, a one groove race is I'm sorry, it's not a fun race. It it, it it's yeah. not, but yeah. it's it's I mean, no one wanted to try to. It, 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 
I, I hate to say it, it's that whole compound they put in there. And, and that may be Texas is that may be the fault of Texas is that they formed it into a one groove track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yes, they need to at least try to make it a true groove track. Yeah. Um, if that means you get, um, if that means you have to get some people in, you know, you have to get a couple drivers to say, this is where we want the grooves to be, but who knows? I mean, when they did that at Texas this year, they were just getting started. They had no practice time. They had very little practice time. They were out of the car for almost six months so that may have been fine, but I agree. But you do get some good drafting down there, down the back straight away. You oh, get sure. some good drafting, and that's where those moves will be. So I, I think it will be interesting. Oh, I agree with you completely. But at the same time, you need to have at least a, um, a rudimentary second groove. Mm-hmm. So something doesn't happen like what happened to Felix Rosenquist late last year where you know he's trying to pass a lap car on the outside and he's up in the the middle of that compound and crashes well well that's what they need to do is they need to get rid they need to they need to make sure that compound's not in that i mean if it's fine if you put it up high that that's fine because you know there's somebody who's going to be daring to try to take that Mm. but if they're if you widen that groove up, that's that, that's going to be better. Now, if they can, um, you know, if they get some more cars out there, get some more cars to to help get that groove, maybe lay maybe lay some rubber down, maybe tell them if they if it's going to be one groove, tell a bunch of cars, hey, go out. Just run the middle part of the corner. Get some rubber down there so we can run. Get some rubber to stick. Build up that groove so we can at least get you we at least can go in there and, and get traction into that. However they they go about doing it, here's hoping they do at the very yes. least. Um, yeah. because the the series cannot start the month of May with a couple of you know single file events for you know if for no other reason that um the track won't support Mm -hmm. um more than one groove in the corners like it did last year yeah um i don't think that's a good way to start the the month of may i don't think that's a good look for the series it's not a good look for texas and this year they need some big things to happen this is a, a you know, we've talked about NASCAR and it needing to be a, a, a big year for them. Well, it needs to be a big year for IndyCar too. And there's some reasons why, and we'll get into more of those here in a little bit. Yeah. But um, every single event needs to have its own um, natural evolution to it. And it needs to be um, entertaining in, in that way, in a, a natural, organic way that races do um now if if you can't have uh, a second groove then that's you know it's it's not exactly um 
that excitement that is generated out of a um, out of a race like that. Yeah. So. I, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, they are going to need to make a big splash at Texas. But that the way that track played a, a couple, you know, played last year, it played like a road course where everyone just kind of stuck in a line. They kind of learned early. But again, they, they will have to figure out something. The, the only thing is, is they got a big viewing up. A big viewing hit off of that. So if they want to do that, I agree. They gotta, they gotta make it more exciting from a business standpoint. You gotta figure out something, and, and that may be that that um, and, and it might be, it, it might be because um, Brune Smith was, or I think Gossage, um, whoever owns the the Texas Air one. Um, well, Gossage is kind of the main yeah, uh, person that has runs everything. Been here, yeah. pushing for years, and you see this talk on Robin Miller's. I, I saw this talk last year at, at, in Robin Miller's mailbag on Racer.com. You know, he Gossage want want Texas to be the first oval. He really does, mm-hmm. and maybe them giving it to him might let him say okay now i've got it maybe i'll make it a little bit better you know it kind of works one you know in in that so maybe he'll do it we'll we'll see how he does it we'll we'll, we'll see how they do it how they plan it and who knows this could change months from now we may not be talking about taxes so who knows what what happens come may but I, I, I agree. It, 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 I, I didn't like it as a road course. I liked it, but, or I didn't like them um, going single file. I, I will agree to that. It, it did kind of make it boring, but I will put it this way for them to go for them coming back. It was a good way to just get back into the saddle. Just definitely. They got to make it better. Yeah. Whether they change up the the package on the cars to make them a little more racier, if they're going to be single file in the groove, you know, to get the drafting a little bit better, we'll we'll, we'll see what setup they take. I mean, if it's like if it's the car like they brought to Iowa, oh, they're gonna they're they're or Gateway. That they'll have good racing. I I think that's the other factor is the type of car they bring. They bring the car like they run at Indy, and that's just and you need the the car design like it's the one at Gateway or they run at Iowa, where those cars can be a little more racier. So I I agree. Very cool, um, Brian. What are your thoughts about um, some of these uh, these tracks and uh, some of the, the uh, talking points that uh, David and I have discussed to this point. Well, to start with the tracks and the schedule, I being a longtime fan of both road and street courses, I'm very happy to see those taking up the lion's share of the schedule because I always found those to be much more entertaining races, keeping you on the edge of your seat. I, I was very surprised when I saw the Streets of Nashville race announced and when I saw that the first time ever, it's like, oh, 
we're starting to branch out now. Perhaps some potential to see, you know, other cities joining that. You know, imagine some other of these races scheduled for, you know, more major cities in the future, especially if Streets of Nashville works out, which I'm fairly confident that it will, just for the Brits alone. And honestly, well set up for their schedule. And I think moving the streets of Long Beach to the end of the season, despite you know the obvious reasons of having no choice, I think having a street race to end the season is going to be an exciting ending and really, really push the drivers to the edge to see who wants the championship the most. I think it's going to be a really good season this year. Indeed. Um, I agree. So now let's we've talked about where they're going to go this year. Now let's talk about who's going to go. Um, and let's talk about now the, the drivers and teams that are going to make up the 2021 NTT IndyCar series. Um, and David, there's been a lot of moves um, and a lot of, a lot of changes being made to this point um, and still are. And there, there are more to be made here before we even um, get to uh, Barber in April. Well, um, so the first thing is, let's talk about this. Um, the, um, the car count, uh, expected car count this year is the highest it's been since 2012, according to racingreference.info mm -hmm. and beyondtheflag.com. Uh, Asher Fair wrote this uh, two weeks ago that uh, it appears IndyCar will have 25 full-time cars throughout the 2021 season. Um, and while there's still some question marks about who exactly will be driving some of those 25 entries, um, it's, uh, it speaks another, uh, to another uh, part of the series, which is um, car counts are going up. And so even though, uh, again, according to the number going up from 23 last year is mainly due to Chip Ganassi and Team Penske each adding cars, um, still speaks well to the sport um, that um, more cars are being added to the lineup and maybe even more still um, afterwards we shall see but what are your thoughts well I, I definitely think there there's some good moves uh, I mean that's happening this year I, I'm glad to see the car counts going up I know that's something Penske was focused on you know that's what that's one of Roger Penske's goals he eventually wants to, from a business standpoint, attract another OEM. Well, how do you get another OEM? You got to get more car counts up. You got to get more people involved. So by doing that, a lot of full season rides, some of them maybe you know, some part-time, some doing road courses, some drivers just doing road courses, some just doing ovals. It, uh, so... I think it, it's really good that they're getting more car counts and I think they're getting a lot more interest. There have been some notable changes, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but, but you're right. Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, they're leading the way. Um, Penske just uh, got a, a, an alliance um, that was big. That's something Andretti's always done, has these alliances with other teams to help them. So the, these 
these three main teams are helping these other teams. So I, I like it this year. I like the counts. Ryan, what do you think about with the car counts? I gotta be honest. It makes me happy to see a higher count than, you know, years previous. Uh, it shows that not only is IndyCar continuing to be a competitive group, but, you know, opening itself up to having more drivers come in, it can only, you know, expand its horizons in terms of, you know, spectacle, having that many drivers per race, and obviously bringing the fans of those drivers in. More viewers means more profit. More profit means everybody wins. Tim Tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Quite, sir. Yep. So let's talk about some of these moves going on. I mean, probably the no- most notable is Mar- what Marco Andre just did, where he says he's going to only run the Indy 500. That's it. They don't know. Um, you know, he, he's going to go run some sports cars with his cousin, Jarrett Andre, who I actually got to see race at Oswego Speedway the one year. Very good talent driver. So, he, he's showing his cousin in that. That's going to leave a big opening. We don't know where James Hinchcliffe is going. The last thing I heard was that Robin Miller on Racer.com, I was reading the one time, was had a piece of, a few weeks ago saying that it sounded like they were going to, Andre was going to get the deal done with Ryan Hunter Ray. And it sounded like maybe James Hinchcliffe. So, um, I, I'm going to take a bet. I'm wondering that James Hinchcliffe is going to drive the 98 the rest of the year. But there's also the 29 that's opening that's doing a Sebring test that, that did that. So we don't know if who's going to fill that. Big notable Jimmy Johnson went from NASCAR. He's going to do IndyCar for Chip Ganassi Racing Road and Street. Tony Kanan is his counterpart in that, doing the ovals. Um, Colton Herta uh, is going to drive the eighty or drive the twenty-six, so the eighty-eight's not there. Connor Daly's just doing Indy. Juan Pablo Montoya doing Indy. Here's the big one: Helio Castroneves is done with Penske Racing. He is going to go to Meyer Shank Racing. He's kind of helping them out, kind of doing a mentoring role as well from what I've understood or what I was reading to Jack Harvey. Um, and, and Sebastian Bordes gets to drive the AJ Foyt car. So I, I just wonder what's going to happen with this with some of these drivers, but you got also Alex Palou who's going in there in, in into um, Chip Ganassi. Ganassi. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of good changes, but I've, I've got to say one, I, I know the Dale coin racing Vassar Sullivan's opening, but I got to say one and, and props to this. And I, um, I, I want to give props to this Simonia D Silvestro. Roger Penske pushed pushed initiative for diversity in IndyCar. They have in their, I believe, the Mazda Indy Series. It's an all minority team that's running. 
for the Indy 500, the first all-female team with um, Peretta Autosport. I think that's a really good move, and I like that considering who broke the gender barrier was Janet Guthrie and how much respect she got when she did it. I think I, I think this is really good, and I I it's going to be very very interesting to see how they do, and mm-hmm. I I I'm glad Penske got you know allowed this to happen. It's a good yep. change move, and it's a good way to get attract more money. Yep, and Dave Sylvester is a popular driver too, yep. um, and it's good to see her coming back to Indy um, and get the 500 another run. Um, so, um, so that's some good news all around there. Uh, best of luck to them. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a ton of interesting storylines going into this year and a ton of interesting storylines from some really, really visible people, um, in the sport. David, you talked about some, you talk about, uh, seven time Jimmy Johnson, um, kind of, uh, learning the ropes right now of an IndyCar and trying to get um, caught up uh, to some of these other uh, big name teams, big name drivers. And um, that supposedly he's, he's really putting in a lot of effort. Um, according to Paul Kelly of IndyCar.com uh, is uh, even running some Formula Four stuff right now to uh, try and build up his, his uh, skill set in open wheel cars. Um, but, uh, but that's going to be interesting to see how he evolves this year. It's going to be interesting to see, um, how AJ Foyt's team does this year. Uh, there were some rumors that, uh, they, um, did pretty decent at the, the Sebring test. Um, team Penske did not show up apparently to, uh, to Sebring. So, um, at least for, um, for this one day. So, while we do see Ganassi and Andretti doing well, um, where exactly Penske fits into this is going to be a very interesting unknown. Talked about Polo at, at Ganassi, maybe doing some big things. Um, so, um, yeah, just um, and then uh, Castro Neves too, um, moving into a mentorship role. Um, I would be very curious if he um, keeps Gilles de Ferrin on speed dial this year, or if they've uh, um, had some, some lengthy Zoom meetings. Um, because uh, recall that uh, de Ferrin uh, kind of served as a, a, a general manager, basically, for um, McLaren and uh, their, uh, uh, their car effort and trying to improve that program um, following uh, their very infamous DNQ at the 500 in 2019. Um, And this is uh, uh, detailed here by Dieter Renkin and Keith Colatine at racefans.net and how they have improved, uh, especially in 2020. most notably with uh, Patricio Award um, finishing fourth in the championship and doing very well. Um, 
And so even though uh, DeFerrin, I believe, is uh, stepping away this year, mm -hmm. there is uh, some very successful recent precedent with um, a known very successful open wheel driver stepping in to a senior leadership role, mentorship role, what have you, and really helping a race team or a race driver along. So we'll see if um, Castro Neves can, um, can follow in, uh, in DeFerrin's footsteps in his own way. Yeah, indeed. Well, Ryan, any, any quick thoughts before we hit to break? Yeah, I got to be honest, I'm looking forward to seeing the performance of the all-female team at the Indy 500. And for no other reason than, as you gentlemen so eloquently put it, it's, you know, groundbreaking, something that's not been done before. And that's the sort of thing where, you know, future legends come from. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of interest. And with a lot of interest uh, comes ratings. Um, and people showing up to see how they do. And as we talked about before, um, with that interest and ratings and track attendance comes money. And um, that'll be a, um, a really great thing for the sport, and especially if they, uh, if they are very competitive and, um, uh, and have a great 500. Um, it'll be great for them and uh, it'll be uh, great for the entire series. So um, best I of luck and best wishes to them. Agreed. And hopefully it can lead them to a full-time se season ne uh, next year. Yes, sir. Here's hoping. Um, so with that, it is time for us to clear out the hauler and get ready to get back to the track and get ready to go green. We're going to take a quick break right now. And Ryan's going to tell you about one of our great sponsors. This is from Checker to Green. We'll be right back with the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you starting to launch your own business or trying to improve your business appeal so you can get a leg up on your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and the capability to give your business an edge. Logo design, business cards, letterheads, anything that you need to put yourself in front of your competitors and stand out from the crowd. If you're interested in services they have to offer, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now, back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Welcome back, race fans. The green flag is out and in the air, and we are underway with our final segment of the of the podcast. And breaking news: this came out today. If you're listening, it's January twenty second when when this broke. If you have not heard it by already, I'm I'm sure you have because it's affecting all sports, but particularly auto racing as well nbc sports network will be no longer at the end of 2021 this affects nascar indycar 
English English Premier League, NHL reports from what I'm seeing on on racer.com is and from what I'm heard hearing, I think Bob Pockris tweeted this out as well that it's going to that the the buildup might be that the major sports may transition to USA Network. So there's going to be some simulcasts going on. And then in 2022, like NASCAR, transition it to USA Network. But there was no talk about IndyCar. What's going to happen? And gentlemen, what's your thoughts? Uh, The news of this was was a surprise um, because... Um, from me as um, a semi-casual sports fan, um, maybe a little more than a casual sports fan, um, had no idea this was coming. Um, and so this is, this is a, a, a very big shock. Um, and so there was some, uh, there was also some talk um, in making this move today um, in moving some stuff maybe over to the USA network. Um, there was also some suggestion. And as an example, I'm seeing this in um, USA Today written by Ellen uh, Haro, um, talking about how some of these things may be moved to NBC's streaming service, Peacock. Um, so I have some, some uh, a few questions about that move and especially the timing of the move relative to everything that's going on in the country right now, economically, um, people not being in a good way um, with, uh, uh, with everything going on with COVID, with businesses still being impacted, a lot of small businesses especially, um, and a lot of people still without jobs. Um, and with that, um, not a lot of money. So I have some real questions about how uh, shutting down NBCSN to move stuff either to USA, um, which, you know, moving uh, sports coverage to an unfamiliar network um, or a previously unknown network to sports fans, uh, to me, doesn't exactly bode well for ratings, um, which IndyCar in particular is in sore need of. So we talked before about how, um, how very badly, I think, 2021 needs to be a big year for IndyCar. And this news just accents it that much more. Um, they, they need attention, they need eyeballs, and they need a lot of people to spark interest in this series in order to be able to follow it. Um, even if it's flipping a channel from NBCSN to USA, especially if you have events that are going to Peacock and to streaming, and if there's a subscription that's required for that, um, that's going to um, require a great number of hardcore racing fans, not only for IndyCar, but also for NASCAR um, and I believe IMSA may be affected in this and any other um, sporting series, sanctioning body, whatever the case. Um, It's um, uh, what this, 
speaks to me is it's concerning from a motorsports standpoint um, and how it does on some of these secondary networks outside of NBC, outside of ABC, um, et cetera, outside of Fox. Um, and uh, I think I mentioned NBC already, but um, you know, we've seen speed close. Now we're seeing NBCSN close and um, you know, motorsports, you know, were big parts of both networks and now both of them are no longer here. Yeah. So that that's troublesome in that sense as well. Um, what, what gets to me about this is that I, I was shocked. I mean, I, I saw the tweet come through with Kelly Crandall, who's a, a reporter for Racing racer.com she's their nascar reporter and as soon as i said i sent you the screenshot elliot and in the reaction now you you were shocked and it's just i mean and then as the news came through i started seeing on facebook more and what bothers me the most is that indycar just made this big deal they gave nbc the indy 500 all the races, you know, if I'm Roger Penske, I'd be livid right now. I would, as soon as that came out, if I was Penske, I'd be calling up everyone in, in, the, in the upper management, having a, having a meeting, having an emergency call and say, listen, what are we going to do? We got to figure out, do we stay with NBC? Do we suffer a risk of going to peacock do we not get our races on usa what do we do who do we start talking to who do we make it this might be the chance i i was i was thinking before we we did you know before we started tonight what could they do you know if i was penske what networks could i go out to because I'd be starting to try and make a deal with somebody for, for next season. Just in case if you, they get they get shafted and they're out. And the, the first thing I, I thought was, what about Fox? Well, here's the issue. You do races in the fall. Fox has football, has the NFL. You gotta go up against the NFL. You're gonna you, you it'd be tough to schedule around that. Maybe FS1, okay, maybe. I thought CBS. Well, there you go. The same issue is um, is with NFL when you get to the fall, and then you've got the CBS Sports Network. Well, the issue is is you have to deal with the um, most people don't have CBS Sports Network like up here. Verizon FiOS, it unless you get the most premier package, it's included. But with Spectrum, if you got the very basic package, you you got it no matter what. Um, it, it, so you have to you know you have to look at that. My thought, and I'm going back to it, is ABC. Go back to ESPN, ABC, 
guess what? You got ESPN Plus. It's usually, I mean, you got the ESPN Plus with the subscription, but you also got, if you have ESPN, you get access to the ESPN app. You can watch other races for free on the ESPN app. You, you know, if you have ESPN, you can, what, what they call their ESPN 3, you can watch through that. So that would be good for the lower series. You, you can get Indy back to ABC. You can get races on ESPN, ESPN 2. Heck, you, if it's, if it's really busy, you've got the ACC network, you got the SEC network, you got the, you've got ESPNU, you got ESPN News. Pick a network. I think that I think that's what Penske needs to do, is say, you know what, NBC, thanks, but no thanks. The we're gonna we're gonna say you're violating our contract. Find it. I know he could. Go if you gotta go legal on them, you, you do from a business standpoint because it will somewhere there's a breach in this contract. I do it with a fine tooth cone. I would say it. Find that loop. Find that exit. Tell them thanks. Bye, and make a deal with ABC. Yeah, the only thing is, Souls, I'm, um, I would be very, very surprised um, if in the course of making this move um if uh, nbc was in a uh, breach of contract with uh, roger penske and but, indycar or anybody but else they signed that big deal what was that that deal for them to get the indy 500 starting in 2019 was in 2019 was they got all the IndyCar races. They got access to all the minor, all the lower series, which was on their NBC sports app, which was a paid subscription. You could get the track pass. There's, there's gotta be something there. There, There's gotta be something there. If it says we have the right to terminate, fine. End of story. But if there's a way that if there's something in there that says we will give you so much money and we're giving you all the, these races through this amount of year and so much money, there's your breach. There's the breach. And you and if I'm and I hate to say it, if I'm NBC, Roger Penske's gonna be your nightmare right now. He is a hell of a businessman and i will say he's probably got one hell of a lawyer team it may have to be and if i'm penske go talk to abc right now if i'm abc jump on this come on especially indycar nascar uh you know nascar's between fox and all that but indycar you've got um you you you're just on one one channel one network i i think they gotta go for it ryan i we got a couple more minutes what's your any thoughts to this 
Yes, this is coming from a place of pure speculation. So take it with the metaphorical grain of salt. But one common thing you find in contracts of that high caliber is a minimum expectation clause. What that is, is a, an agreement for this service in the case, you know, Indy 500, the IndyCar races, the lower series, all that. You know, in return, you have a minimum expectation of viewership, ratings, financial returns, something of that nature. And if they can show that because of this decision, NBC would not be able to meet that minimum expectation, Penske could just walk right away from that deal. And basically, NBC wouldn't have a leg to stand on. And he'd be free to take all of that to whoever would be willing to accept that contract and say, yes, I can manage those expectations. So I think most likely, Dave, that's would be Penske's most likely out and no doubt being the smart individual that he is, he most likely has his legal team already working that Avenue. So I, this is the sort of thing where NBC sports cancellation would leave a vacuum in sports broadcasting. And that's the sort of thing. It just doesn't last long because managed well, it's too lucrative to just be ignored. So one way or another, it will end up in someone else's hands. I've, but of course, that's one fellow's humble opinion. Well, that that brings a, another thought up, um, and maybe this is the direction that all of this is um, is going anyway. Um, maybe at the end of all of this, um, especially if if streaming is going to become such a big thing, um, and I'm I'm looking at a tweet here earlier today from Brett Griffin, uh, the former spotter for Clint Boyer and has been around the business side of motorsports for a long time. Um, and he tweeted today that quote, a smart man told me this was going to happen at the beginning of 2020 shift to streaming is inevitable for lots of programming close quote. So with that in mind, um, I would be curious if you start to see, um, individual sanctioning bodies handling their own streaming that that that's a, a good case in point i mean you got the dirt series already doing that with the outlaws and yeah and dirt yeah. vision so i I'm mean it, it, it's free to sign up and I, i'll i'll put it this way with, with dirt vision really quick i i don't pay the money to do the subscription because what do they do after they put the races on there for free after. So you can watch it wherever you want to and and fast forward through, you know, breaks in the action and that. So yeah, I I it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yep. Sign of the times for sure. Yeah. So uh with that. Uh, it's time to, for us to uh, move into our final thoughts of this episode. Um and for our final thoughts this week, we wanted to touch on something uh, that we referenced uh, in our um, our combination or our uh, dual NASCAR episodes uh, here recently, um, where we talked about the um, some of the things that um, came out of the sim racing world in 2020 um, and the increased visibility that sim racing has gotten. 
um, as a result of, uh, you know, partly as a result of everything that happened uh, in 2020 and, and uh, the uh, brief um, move exclusively all racing on, on uh, online on a, on a sim racing platform. And we talked about some things that, um, that uh, sim racing, especially iRacing has done um, in the stock car realm, um, including some homages to the past, um, bringing out the 1987 Monte Carlo, bringing out the 1987 Thunderbird, um, bringing out North Wilkesboro, um, with uh, pictures from the past, etc. Um, and when I was looking at iRacing today, um, and I've had a subscription on and off of them for some time, but um, I have not recently, um, just because of, uh, of life events and space, etc. Uh, but um, uh, they don't have very much in the way of historical IndyCar um, products. They have them for Formula One uh, in the form of uh, the older look. I think two of them actually. Um, so I thought it would be really cool as we did before to kind of sit down and have a little round table about what would be really cool to see um, from an IndyCar standpoint on sim racing platforms like iRacing going forward. And so with that, um, David, I'll go ahead and, and um, hand the floor to you. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of good tricks that come to mind with this. I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the old, you know, the old tracks, the historical venues. I mean, they, they should add, I mean, I, I remember playing this game for the Wii. Indy, Indianapolis 500 Legends and it was like from the 60 I think it was like from 60 to 72 so I mean a lot of good cars back then and you know if they would bring back the old cars like the turbine I mean drive that some of the roadsters some of those cars from the 70s when they started to explore with wings and aerodynamics and the 80s I mean I I, I got to sit in Rick Muir's 1980 Indy 500 car in, in Cape Cod. They were doing Indy 500 exhibit. I was on vacation. L my daughter, Lily, got to sit in it because uh, she's getting to like race cars. And I'm hoping to get her to watch more races this, her, this year with her. But I got to sit in it and I thought, man, what beautiful how car it was and i just I, i'd like to see that and i'd like to see the old tricks i'd like to see them put indianapolis progression through the years from when it was all brick to just the front straightaway to when the pits were on the front you know no pit wall it was you know you pulled over and did your stop pulled right back out into action um, you know, narrow pit roads, the 88 when they put the concrete pit road down for the first time. 
it's you know i'd like to see those and there's some other old historical tracks that they need to put in there like the old world texas speedway um Mm -hmm. you know i i think about i i think if you're gonna do that then that goes with you're gonna have to go into the vault of where they used to run at different tracks maybe ontario grant that i mean grant it's a housing development now but you could probably use pictures to develop ontario speedway that was already always big maybe san air san air was a triangle a very short triangle track that was that's an interesting track maybe get like when they ran to ran with Vancouver or Edmonton or Long Beach in the seventies when in the eighties, um, you know, you know, was surfers paradise in Australia. I know they've got an Australian Korean things, but yeah, I don't know if that's the same layout as, as no, I, I think surfers was in, um, uh, where where do they run the Australian Grand Prix? Is that Adelaide? That is a very good question. And I think Surfers sure. was 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 I, I I thought Surfers was near Sydney, but yeah, Surfers. I mean, I I think those would be good tracks. I would actually. It, it just came to mind. One of the tracks I think I really like to see them do is um is the old michigan track where it was just a like an armco barrier there weren't many stands around and they were fast especially in the 80s if you took the 1980 michigan track that was there was some good racing on there so I, I would think maybe like those would be cool. Yep. Ryan? Well, to answer the question that you gentlemen brought up, the Australian Grand Prix is held at the Albert Park Grand Prix circuit in Melbourne. Ah. Just to clear that up. And to build off of that, I've always liked the international tracks. They've always had a special place in my heart because I felt they always offered the most challenge. To bring a few of those in to the IndyCar uh digital racing circuits, I think would add a unique challenge. Not that those drivers are unaccustomed to road courses, but they'd be kind of unaccustomed to these road courses because it's not someplace they routinely go. Plus for people who are unfamiliar with the foreign tracks, I think it might generate a lot of interest in it seeing like, oh, well, these are tracks are different. Never seen this before. Yeah, this could be a good race. And I think it would also be a good way to bring the international crowd into you know interesting IndyCar and say like oh the IndyCar guys are driving our track nice so in a you know perfect world and if I could work my will that's what I'd like to see very cool well we're in a, a, a place in time now where we're incorporating uh, different people of different disciplines in uh, different race cars and they're known for um, and maybe it's time that we do the same thing with 
with some of these uh, these international tracks that IndyCar may have never gotten to. Um, that it would be really cool to see how they would how they would run there, um, and uh, the the opportunities are limitless. But first, um, we need to have the opportunity to run something, um, and so it'd be cool to um, at least get the cars there, and then um, there's some of the tracks internationally. We've talked about them in in uh, past episodes, but. Um, uh, to build on what they have would be extraordinary. Um, and there would be, I think, a ton of interest. So um, here's hoping for that. Um, but for now, uh, gentlemen, the green flag is out and it's time for us to go racing and uh, bring a, a close to this episode and uh, focus on the next one. Definitely indeed. Have a good good evening, folks, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening all. We'll catch you on the next round. Yep. Thank you, everybody, and appreciate all of the uh, the listens, all of the interest, um, and uh, all of the love. Thank you all very much. Be safe. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast.